Welcome to Let's Talk About Treks, an episodic review of today's visions of the future featuring Earl Grey and Jack Dorino. Fruisicut et nos locuis de stele iter inventionem, tempestunum episode octo. If you want peace, prepare for war. Uh, that's a Latin adage which translates as, if you want peace, prepare for war. So the first image we see is the USS Gregarin, NCC 1309. It's a Shepard class ship. Uh, Gregarin is potentially named, quote, after the, U- the, yeah, the USS Yuri Gagarin. Yuri Gagarin uh, was the first male human in space. So uh, a few minutes later, I'm like the uh, point about uh, how in command Lorca is here. Um, yeah. He's just all business. <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm, I'm on it. Like the, my, my, uh, my, my favorite Lorca <laughs> line ever comes from this scene, I believe. This is the scene where he's like, Mr. Reese, can I trouble you to fire at something? Is that, is that am I correct? <laughs> Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah. I love this. I love this. Like pure Lorca right here. Um, Who's texting me? Should I mute my phone? So mine, um, thankfully, whenever my phone rings, it plays the Star Trek Picard theme song. Oh, okay. So I don't think I really have to cut it out if it ever goes off. My uh, text tone is the uh, Teen Titans uh, communicator chirp. Yes. Here. Happy first contact day. Yeah. Happy first contact day. We're only um, like six months or eight months too late. To which everyone, all of our guests, say, all of our all of our guests, we have no guests. All of, <laughs> we are the guests. They're guests. The guests. They're our friends and they're the... our family and they are coming. We are inviting them into the home that is our recording space, which is out of the crashed, abandoned, uh, ten forward module of the Starship Enterprise here on Viridian Three. Oh my! Yes. Where we broadcast to the entire Federation. Whether they're listening or not, couldn't tell you. <laughs> Maybe we'll, uh, we'll find out. Oh, you know what? The mailbag tells me they must be listening. Yeah. The the single piece of mail that we get every week about how much they hate us. <sighs> oh, no. Wait. Is your Paramount... Or, oh, my Paramount signed me out. Your Paramount signed you out? Yeah, man. I signed in as Jack Dorino and then signed yeah. me right back out. I'm sorry. When I went to season one. Oh, I am so sorry that you're having hard. Oh time. my God, you really saw your therapist today, huh? <laughs> one thing I noticed at the beginning of this episode is that there is no pre-credit scene. There's not. Oh, they go right from the recap to. Yeah, to the opening of the show. Okay. Right from the recap to the theme song. Okay. Yeah, I mean, sorry, I could be mistaken. Um about this and we'll see in a moment but um i believe we go straight i wrote it down <laughs> so it must have been important to me okay oh so that okay there that's why they did that part of the recap that's where she gets the nice scar from yes yes it is the klingon destroyer looks like an electric guitar from a heavy metal rock band dude so i this is what kind of what i thought was going to happen today was that we'd have sort of like the same the same takes on some things and what i wrote down is that Klingon destroyer design is non-specific. Like, it's non-specific to a species. Like, that doesn't have to be Klingon. <laughs> Which goes back to my whole thing about like, did we have to do Klingons? Did it have to be the past? Like all mm-hmm. of that. 
Like yeah. this ship did not have to be a Klingon ship. It could have been anybody's ship. Well, it couldn't. It, like it could have been a Vulcan. Could, okay, it didn't have to be a Klingon ship. Is what I'm saying because it's not a Klingon ship. Like IMHO, it's not a Klingon ship. Well, one of the things I was kind of realizing, we, maybe we discussed this before, but um, these Klingons are coming out of the genetic modification that they got infected with in the 22nd century. They're they're still starting to regain their foreheads. Sure. So they're a little bit smoother, but they're not, and, and they're not quite as detailed as Worf's is huh. or Gowron's. Hmm. Um, That's a really good point. And, well, and even if you think about the way they look in Star Trek The Motion Picture, they're more, they're still kind of that partially smooth way that, that they are. So you go from TOS, smooth forehead Klingons, to, oh wait, this takes place before... Well, the, the whole, that whole explanation was in Enterprise, correct? Yeah, so that, yeah, the genetic virus was in Enterprise, yes. They got their smooth foreheads, but then they still have them in TOS, which is after ten, 10 years after this, so... Oh, that is true. Um, um, okay, so usually you fix a thing, and today you broke the thing. Congratulations. <laughs> it's your first time breaking a thing. <laughs> um, I couldn't tell you. No. I, I, I imagine there's just some some sort of wibbly-wobbly reason why we've had to go yeah, like yeah. a little bit back and forth. Or maybe they intentionally left some people smooth so that they could infiltrate better. But then, like, if they knew how to change from bumpy to smooth, then why did they have to do the whole bulk thing? Mm-hmm. Like, why didn't they just, you know, use one of their smooth-headed people and just yeah. have them pretend to be Klingon? I guess they would have shown up biologically as, as, uh, as, as Klingon, as opposed to heart hearts where their kidneys belong. And... Yeah, yeah, double double organs and all all that so forth. Yeah, they they didn't. Did, did they do the attack on the uh, Gregarin before the credits or after? Because I didn't see it. But maybe... yeah, no, it went from it went straight from from trailer to credit, from trailer okay. to uh, theme song. Yep. Okay. Sure did. At about four forty-five, uh, he just says go. Yeah. And I'm like, where? You didn't give him coordinates. Agreed. Can you be a little bit more specific? Just a little bit. Or maybe it was. Maybe I mean they could have established it before they they beamed in, but uh, I don't um, think they did. I think he just okay. said get the get the out of here, and they were like, okay, I'll get us out of here. But uh, <laughs> zero zero one. Um, and, 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 at least they made sure not to land them in the middle of a star. Sure, yeah. You know, I mean, you got to get the uh, coordinates from the Navi computer, or we'll bounce too close to a supernova or wind up in the middle what are those floaties around are those the klingon ships they look like klingon phasers or something at five minutes he mentions arium's name uh is this the first time he that anybody says their name out loud it could be the first time that we mentioned arium's name yeah because i remember it took a very long time to to learn Mm -hmm. who 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 arium was and that she even was going to have a name like it, it seemed to me that like so i tried to learn like all of the bridge crew's names as soon as i could yeah, and uh, I may have learned her name from off-screen stuff, you know, because mm-hmm. I was like scouring Star Trek.com, etc., like looking for articles. Yeah. Yeah. So I may have found her name elsewhere. Stamets, uh, Stamets is doing a crucifixion stance, I think, in the spore pod. Oh right, yeah. Like, 
he just he has his arms down but like he's really like palms out you know like he's kind of uh, is mm-hmm. is he is he a god figure does he think of himself of himself as a god figure yeah who knows this this may factor in later seasons i don't know well and he comes out of the out of the spore drive um and he snaps at tilly and they reference this back a little bit it's kind of a c plot but they don't do too much with it now yeah but yeah. then so this is one of those th- fold in where they fold in something and you're yeah. like why would they mention that and then later it comes back yeah yeah it does but um going back to uh Arium is um at about six minutes and 30 seconds in they're calling them invisibility screens he's talking to the admiral yes and uh they're still calling them they're still not calling it a cloaking device sure makes me wonder if they're uh talking about this as if it's a new technology or as if the Klingon's capability to cloak is new to them. So this is, this is, this is true. This is, this is true. Um, the, the whole idea of cloaking is apparently new to them. Apparently we didn't think of it in the 20th century and uh, perfected in the 21st, <laughs> at least in their universe. Yeah. Uh, the, um, the, the, so the thing that, so the thing that is important about the cloaking device, I believe, is that uh, Cole of House Core might be using that cloaking device to bring the uh, 24 disparate houses of the Klingon Empire together in the same way that Takuma intended. So mm-hmm. it also so it makes me wonder: does does Cole then achieve a a uh, uh, like a sainted status in the way that? Um, in the way that Takuma was, you know, had among his following, and the way that uh, Kalas had among uh-huh. his, among the Klingon Empire. I uh, need to interrupt something for you just yeah. a second because you mentioned sure. something that just made me realize something. Okay, okay, so they're trying to unite these houses. Yes. What's going on? I'm going to fix something here for you. Earl Grey fixes a thing. Here we go. What's going on with the ship design? Each house has their own ship design. Yes. They don't unite. And, and one thing I'd like to, would have liked to seen in season one and two is uh, confirmation that the Klingons and Romulans were working together because, you know, apparently Van Beta Cannon is that the Romulans gave cloaking technology to the Klingons and the Klingons gave basically the D7 class to the Romulans but even in TOS they're surprised by this so it must have been a relatively recent thing so maybe in the next 10 10 or so years based on whenever in the season they got into it uh let me back up a little bit and remind us all that the Romulan war happened before now yeah the Romulan war did yeah with the humans so we would have seen cloaking technology correct um, yes. Because probably. they had cloaking technology during Enterprise. Yes, they did. Hmm. But the Klingons might not have had it. Sure, but oh, why, call it, why didn't call it an invisibility, invisibility screen when you know that it's a cloaking device? Yeah, that's not what I was trying to fix, though. Okay. Um, although they were still calling it a invisibility screen or a, a stealth screen or whatever in Enterprise. Um, what I was trying to fix is the uh, continuity of the ships. Okay, let's do it. Um, now we're all having this, we're fighting this war. Each 
each house has their own ship designs. Whereas after the unification of the Klingon Empire, sometime after this war, or sometime before the next 10 years of TOS, then all, you have all the unification, all the ship design come together as, as one collaboration, and therefore then all the ship designs start to look similar or the same by the time we see them again for the first time on the on the original series. Sure, sure. By the original series, we brought all the Klingon houses together and then one unified force. One unified force, one unified ship, one or two unified ship designs. So sure. then you had your Klingon bird of prey and you had your D7 class. Of course, some of the birds of prey, they're not always the same size though, either. Yes, you know, I've come to understand that in the past few years but I, I really always thought that all the birds of prey were the same size yeah but as it well, turns out well I mean out, in the movies they're yeah the one that we had in uh, Star Trek 4 the voyage home was mm-hmm. smaller than the one we had uh, well definitely smaller than the one, the, the one that we took uh, in unification for instance to the Romulan homeworld yeah Yep. Not that I've been watching Unification recently for any reason. <laughs> At about eight minute, eight and a half minutes in, they start. Uh, Michael starts talking about some Kelpian interesting facts. They mentioned that uh, he can run up to uh, eighty kilometers per hour, uh, or eighty kph. Yeah. And I did a conversion. That's roughly just under. It, it is just under uh, fifty miles per hour. Okay. For oh, yeah. our. That's- English measuring audience who may not be able to quickly convert things but um, I kind of love the uh, she's like they're going I I just am watching right now Uh they just went in you know and and, uh, the white the white Klingon ladies you know going in to interrogate the Admiral and she's like screaming yeah thank you Laurel Uh, Laurel is going into the Admiral and she brings her uh, lobster crackers into uh, in in there with her because I mean she clearly just went to a human uh, grocery store and and bought you know the the, the nutcracker lobster cracker thing yeah no doubt because <laughs> Klingons don't teeth. need them because they break them open with they break lobsters open with their teeth <laughs> sure um and uh she's like scream she's like no she's like roar and she's like ah and the guards walk away that was just kind of really cool sure pretty cunning how she figures out how to make the guards go away and make it sound like she's actually doing something yeah yeah but prior to that (laughs) i I love it how quickly um saru realizes what's going on and he disarms his weapon he's the only one carrying a weapon i didn't really notice that until just now and he's like, here, point this at the ground and keep it pointed at the ground. And I'm like, that's that's kind of cool. He's fast to to you know disarm, not sure, not quick at the draw. He's quick at the undraw. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Quick unstraw McGraws. Yeah. And then of course, you know the classic line just a few seconds later that the Klingons hate: "We come in peace." We come. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So, um, so I think that we this brings it up to up to the part where we talk about general order number three. However, um, let me go back for just briefly for a second because we they actually called it general order number one. We, yeah, the, so these are two different two different uh, two different rules that they talked about. They talked about general order number one, and she said, "Well, we're way past that." And now we're on general order number three that we can't borrow or alter their properties without them understanding and agreeing to it. However, oh, I didn't hear her name it as another general order. Yeah. I, I missed that. Though. Yeah, before we get to that, I want to mention because yeah. we were stuck on the Klingon stuff for a while, and I, I'm really into what is happening with the Klingon Empire. Um, that it's really not an empire at present. It's really sort of like a, a band of roguish thieves. Um, <laughs> Cole, Cole is is like, Cole is like a mirror universe human. Like, mm-hmm. he doesn't seek unity, oh. right? He, yeah. he he seeks rule. He wants to be the guy on top. Yeah. So I wonder about crossovers of other species as well. Like, I wonder if okay. So my 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 uh, preemptive headcanon says, well, what if what if he is a mirror universe Klingon? Hmm. So what if that's okay. why he is the way he is, and so different from what Klingons are supposed Klingons are supposed to be about, like honor and values and bringing people to bringing the Klingon people together, and he's more about like ruling, which is like a very Lorca idea. Like he wants to be the guy, yeah. right? Okay. So well, I, except like you mentioned, uh, they would have noticed if he didn't have two hearts. Well, sure, but you could wait, let's assume the Klingons are built the same in the mirror universe that they're, that, as they are here. Um, and I wonder if crossovers have happened and other species, maybe they just went with it. Well, you but you were saying that, uh, core is, or Cole is a, uh, a human from the mirror no, universe no, no, no. I, disguised well, he, he, as a Klingon. No, 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 no. Uh, that's not what I was saying. I was saying that he, he acts like uh, a human from the, like his, his philosophies are more like that of the humans from the mirror universe than a Klingon. Okay. Well, I okay. Well, I thought you said were also had also said that because he is a human from the yeah, mirror no. universe. I don't think that at all. Oh, okay. Because he's nothing like either oh, okay. either brand of human. He's he's not he's not the uh, he's not the uh, the Coca Cola brand of human, and he's not the Pepsi brand of human. He's definitely. <laughs> he's definitely. Well, we all know that that the the. Never mind. He's definitely Dr. Pepper, although he could be Mr. Pib. <laughs> like that's the question. Well, he could be RC. He... RC is at least <laughs> that's still the a question. cola. Uh, is he is he RC? Is he Mr. Pib? Is he Dr. Pepper? Who knows? Who knows? I think Mr. Pib is actually Coke. I mean, it, it's made by Coke. For sure, sure. I don't I don't know that that matters. It's the it's the flavor. It's the it's the off <laughs> yeah, brand. You're right. I'm sorry. There was a there was a yeah. there was another one that Safeway, uh, which is a grocery store in this area, made. Um, I can't remember what it was called, but it was definitely a doctor. It was like Doctor Shasta, or so I don't know what it was called. <laughs> oh, okay, I think I've heard of it. So uh, Tilly being Tilly here, the these episodes. Well, first of all, I like, you know how um, Stamets explains why he can't tell the doctor about what's going on yeah, or if he so. knows if he officially knows if he refish, officially reports it in then he, he he and he doesn't and then he doesn't tell anybody to Starfleet and then Starfleet yeah. figures it out yeah you know, he basically explains why to Tilly why he they can't do anything about this yeah. so what I'm going to call that is a justification 
because what he's justifying is is thinking for Colbert. It's not his decision to decide that Colbert shouldn't blah blah blah. Colbert should be able to decide that himself. He's thinking for the man. Don't think for somebody else. This is a lesson and, that and, maybe and we'll learn later on. Yeah, exactly. By the line, we find out that Tilly kind of tells him that. And he's like, yeah. Oh, so like, Tilly's yeah. really good at reminding people to let people think for themselves. This is this is this may be the first time that we see her well, do maybe it. Maybe they, I mean, maybe they discussed that already. Maybe, maybe they discussed it behind the scenes, him and his husband, um, and they yeah. just decided together. Well, if you were, if you officially bring this to sick bay, I officially have to make a report. Oh, I see and, what you're saying. Yeah. Oh, so, so maybe they, they did talk it, it out. The, the, yeah. Uh, got it. So they kept it under the sheets. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. I like that. So, but anyway, this this was a subplot that I kind of felt seemed very interesting. And, and they pick it up a little bit, but it kind of seemed like it went almost nowhere by the end of season one. They never brought it a- after season one. It's like in season two, they forgot about it. What are we talking about? The whole... Just uh, uh, um, the engineer driver guy that uh, Stamets, totally Paul Stamets. Stamets. so Paul yeah. Stamets's Stamets. um, uh, violation of the genetic modification rules of the Federation Is that, well no the, the episodes that he's having where he's kind of in two places at once or out of sync or whatever you know what that's a good point that kind of, that kind of disappeared yeah I mean they did a huh. neat thing where there was a double Stamets in the in the mirror sure um, um, but then they never, it, yeah, it just kind of fixed itself. And yeah, away. I guess it was because they, he was being called to by. An, oh, that's very interesting because there should be there should be infinite universes that are also yeah. spore flopping over over this universe as well at the same time. Yeah, I mean they kind of touched on it and did an, a, a, a B plot or an A plot on it, but um, after that it just kind of went away. Well, perhaps this could, perhaps this will come up again at some point. We have to keep our eyes open because I, I'm, I doubt they're just gonna let that whole plot device drop away entirely forever. Yeah, that's where you drop in the uh, sound bite of River Song saying spoilers. <laughs> yeah, you hit it, um, Laurel. I, I, I like how yeah, Laurel calls uh, uh, Cole. A a patak, and I'm like, I know yeah. that word. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. One, that's one of the Klingon words I know. <laughs> yep. You gotta know those touchstones. Um, <laughs> Michael Doran described it as a little animal. It's considered a Klingon swear word. It is a Klingon swear word for sure. <laughs> Although at one point, Laurel mentions that uh, he was chased away. She she mentions that she doesn't know where he is. And who's that? that? Laurel. Laurel says this about Volk. Oh, Volk. Okay. Yeah, that he was chased away. So uh, she's a big fat lie and lie head. Well, I mean, but from a certain point of view. I or do you think that on the like, other hand she really she's talking know. to the enemy? So why would she tell tell her the full truth and nothing but the truth? Well, that's true. That's true. She seems rather genuine with it. I hope that okay. So I hope well, someone revisits Palvo someday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's a pretty cool planet, and like yeah. I'm hoping that by the time we visit. It has evolved some uh, blue uh, creatures with long ears that are like part human with tails because it's the planet that like it the, the planet oh, is all one living being right yeah so like it's like is this Pandora is Pavo Pandora 
Well, I wanted sometimes I I think it would be cooler to watch the episode, uh, any particular episode that has high special effects in it, without the the original like, what am I thinking of? Like the live action recording without any special effects added. Yeah. Um, what the movie did I see like that? I saw an X Men movie like that. Okay. Um, it's one where Logan is on or Wolverine is on a tr- on the top of a train fighting somebody. Uh-huh. I don't yeah. remember what movie it is, but I that's the scene it, I remember it, specifically. It, it's just called Wolverine. Uh, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, it's really good. It's really cool to watch it without effects. Is so, it? Yeah, yeah. The, so, like I, all the wires still attached. Well, and... there were no wires because they were actually outside on a train. <laughs> yeah, but when he's jumping and flying down the length of the train and he's no man, that's him. Like he's first. actually flying and jumping down the train. No, he's not. He's on wires. He got to be on wires. I, I was trying to give him a little credit. I was trying to give him a little something. Uh, sure, okay. <laughs> oh yeah, because it's Hugh Jackman and Hugh Jackman's yeah, the shit. Hugh Jackman could just like jump down a train, sure. Come on now. <laughs> the the warp sound from TMG, which is like the like. That's the sound that Saru hears on Pavo. <laughs> <laughs> it's the okay. same sound. So I can't imagine him being on board the next generation Enterprise because the damn the warp engine would drive him nuts out of his mind. <laughs> well, except there is no sound in space. So oh, there's oh really make that sound. So now we have to back up uh, because sometime around the time that we're talking about you know Burns going down to Pavo, and they're talking mm-hmm. about how the antenna sends out you know the signal and she says it's like a sonar yeah yeah and i'm like hang on michael sonar well, is based like on sound a sonar but yeah <laughs> so here's the problem like like a sonar would mean that it's using waves to push something yeah. the, well, there's wait what 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 there's no there's no air so what are they pushing against right hold on so in real astronomy you can pick up the vibrational frequency of things out in space. Okay, okay. And you can tr- record that vibrational f- frequency and play it back through a sound production thing. So there are things in space that make, quote, sounds without air. And there we have so, it. Earl Grey fixes a thing. <laughs> And it was going to happen one time today. <laughs> well, it happened before with the clean houses. It was, but you also broke something earlier, so I, I had to balance you out with that. Oh, okay. I, I've got, we got to, I need to pause. Well, I could something. probably try and refix the thing that I accidentally broke. We shall see. Uh, by continuing hold- to say, maybe some of the houses have smooth foreheads and only yeah. the houses that are dealing with these Starship Enterprise 1701 uh, so the, so the uh, are public, the ones that they encounter. The new public face of the Klingon Empire was the smooth head. Yeah. Got it. Well, that certainly wasn't the hum that I was picking up earlier, so that's not. a good thing. <laughs> if that was a hum, there is a problem. If you were going to fart one more time in your little tiny studio, you're going to asphyxiate yourself? Pretty much. <laughs> I told you not to eat those beans. I know. You did, indeed. <laughs> That's one thing we never really eat on Star Trek is beans. That's one thing we really never do on Star Trek is fart. 
<laughs> they don't burp either, so. I feel like they do burp. I feel like I, I don't. For some reason, I feel like there's been burping. Really? I can't pinpoint it. If you say so. Oh, Cleon's burp. Yeah, for sure. And uh, Hut's burp, but that's not in Star Trek. So at about 18 minutes, she's talking to the, the, the uh, Laurel is talking to the Admiral and, uh, or the good Merle, hot. Wow. She's just mentioned, she name drops a little bit, Kalis Willing. And I, I just thought that was so cool. It's a little nice religion touch. Like we would say God willing or Allah willing or 100%. Uh, Yahweh. Huh? Yep. Yeah, so, absolutely. and then a few minutes, a few seconds later, they cut back to the blue planet, and uh, Saru is starting to explain what's going on. Yeah, and uh, he's like, "They, they are the planet," and I'm like, I'm, I, "It just kind of touched me just thinking about that because I want, you know, I have a, a a vague desire to like be that way and more. You know, we think of N- Native Americans or other Native peoples that we call quote Native." or primal and it's like yeah I, I have a strong desire to be a little bit more better connected with my planet my the nature you know other I think life really forms. Bad idea. I think if I were to connect too strongly with this planet it would reject me oh <laughs> I like, don't think so let me shoot you into the ocean so you can get purified <laughs> no but my mind was just kind of, I was speechless thinking, hearing that and then thinking about it. And then maybe I thought about it too deeply, but uh, yeah. um, then when uh, Saru, he, he goes out for the night and he's like doing something freaky deaky with uh, uh, the, the, the inhabitants of the planet. Yeah. He comes back and he's all, uh, yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. He's all spry. Just vibes, anyone? He's all like spry and lighthearted, like woo woo woo. Hey guys, it's me. I'm Saru. I'm yeah. Saru now. And they're like, uh, what? It's like, again, you know, they, they come back and Star Trek just has this ability to take something beautiful, like being they are the planet, and and bastardizing it, and, and not bastardizing it per se, but they like to leave. It's, it's like, why can't they just leave this beautiful, nice, you know, thing alone? But. Yeah, um,. We have to investigate everything. That's why it's science fiction. Well, yeah, okay. That's why, like, Star Wars has to make its books to explain things like lightsabers, but we must know on screen how a phaser works, damn it. <laughs> yeah. You mean Star Wars? Yeah, that's what I said. You said Star Trek. Oh, did I say Star Trek? So, so I'm so Star Trek that I can't even say Star Wars Trek. Yeah, yeah, you can. Mm-mm. I can't even say the name of that other <laughs> So I, I like the scene. So they're walking. I, Laurel and the Admiral are walking down the corridor, right, of the ship or hall or whatever it is. And uh, that's one thing I never could figure out is, was this local area, is that on a ship or is that on Kalos? Or, uh, uh, that's on the, they're on the, they're on the sarcophagus ship. Oh, okay. Um. So they, they're just casually walking down and it's like she's they don't don't even have a plan for how to make it look realistic why they're walking down the hall and they get caught right they get caught yeah. by 
these two Klingon males, and then they start the, their their fake fight, their cat fight thing. Yeah. And I'm, and I, my note says even Klingon males can't resist watching a cat fight. Yeah, for sure. Either that, or they know just like human males should know better. They know better than to get in the middle of between of all those uh, <laughs> teeth and claws. Yeah, man. <laughs> Who wants to get in, involved up in there? You might get electro- electrocuted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, she must have known that a human could withstand that and just knock her out. Cause... And what... Uh, every time I have seen this scene, yeah, I am sure that Admiral Cornwell was electrocuted to death. And every time I see it, I think the same thing. (laughs) Even though I know that she hasn't been electrocuted to death, she looks like she's getting electrocuted to death. Yeah. Well, that's where they wanted you to... That's. I mean, that that, the episode ends and you don't find out what happens. They wanted you to come back next week. Yeah. Well, if I was coming back for Admiral... If I was coming back to see Admiral Cornwall, I wouldn't come back. Because clearly she's dead. Right? (laughs) They want you to come back to find out if she is. Oh, I know. She's dead. It's clear. <laughs> but she was also supposed to be dead uh, when she got dropped off with the uh, dropped off with the Klingons in the first place. Oh, okay. No, she wasn't. Okay. Oh, when she took she took Lorca's. She took a uh, Sarek's place. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, they killed her guards, but they didn't kill her. I mean, yeah. Made yeah. That up. She was definitely supposed to be dead after that. Oh, okay. Or were they planning to like? Crunch Laurel down to to fit inside Admiral Cornwell. <laughs> so uh, after that, they cut back to the planet, and Saru walks into the little hut thing. He's like, "Here, touch this rock." Yeah, man. And the rock starts grow- glowing, but not yeah, only that, it's green. It's kryptonite. Yeah, it, it is exactly Have, kryptonite. Are you not familiar with that Superman is, in your in your no, time homie, frame? That is the word that I wrote down in my notes. That word is kryptonite. <laughs> it's exactly kryptonite and it's some sort of mind meld it, crystal or empathy yeah, yeah. rock yeah. or something so yeah. like uh homie don't touch that rock he's gonna read your brain don't you know how kryptonite works i had to watch this scene a few times though because uh uh after saru realizes he's being deceived there's some green grass um he rips something out of um Voke's hand not Voke Voke's hand and I couldn't tell what it was um I wish that I could trust my computer enough to um to find that moment but it's, it's oh wait Maybe I, I have a, a time an approximate timestamp. oh sure I'll take that 28 minutes oh shit oh wow has it been that long what's that yeah this minutes, is 28 minutes this start? is only a 40 minute episode yeah like so right 20, on the dot. Twenty-eight minutes sharp. Yep. Yeah. So I'm on the spin, the spin cycle right now. Oh, yay! Man, it doesn't, so, doesn't, don't, doesn't don't get too dizzy. We don't need you. To, we don't need you to clean yeah. up after your vomit. The computer doesn't like doesn't like me trying to be in control of it. And <laughs> it's like you're not the boss of me. You're not the boss of me. <laughs> I'm the boss of you. So, um, uh, what show is that? Uh, is it Malcolm in the Middle? I don't know. I think that's it. Life what, like is the unfair. Yeah, that's Malcolm in the Middle. And so, ladies and gentlemen, bingo, Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> um, 
Oh, you know what? Okay, so a couple scenes we we keep flipping flipping back and forth like ra- rather rapidly between like the Klingon stuff and the Pavo stuff. Yeah. And so two rapid things happen. So like, okay, so the kryptonite happened, and then we oh. get to the dead bodies piled up in the room on the sarcophagus ship. Okay. Yeah. The sarcophagus okay. ship is where the sarcophagi go, right? Like that's like in the first episode where you send out the honored dead and you have them land their coffin on. Oh, the is that why the they ship. call it that? Yeah, it's a sarcophagus ship. So like. Why are there dead bodies piled up in a room? Did they run out of sarcophagi? No, they're they're murdered. Those are heads of house. But then the the one the the one uh, body looks like it's eviscerated, and that makes me think this <coughs> is a, it's a Klingon freezer. That's <coughs> bless you. No, thank you. I'm assuming you'll cut that out. But. Of course I will. <laughs> Although now that you commented on it, I might have to leave it in just for comedic purposes. <laughs> Was it funny? So anyway, she she's going there. Um, I think she's discovered that these bodies have been murdered, like secretly. These aren't aren't bodies that are killed legitimately for betraying that him or whatever. These were secret murders. They 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 he just didn't like them or whatever well see those, these are all people that she knows yeah personally she knows them, so yeah. these are all Takuvma's followers okay but um there it's like they're walking into the Klingon freezer because I'm pretty sure some of these bodies are like targs like currently being partially um butchered targs oh that's oh so it's the freezers oh yeah because they yeah. do yeah, mention they do reference at one point eating the dead bodies they mentioned eating Giorgio, for instance. Oh, wow. So maybe they are freezing them. Maybe this is a giant freezer. <laughs> well, where else are you going to dispose of the Admiral's body? Into space. You just shoot it into space. Well, I mean, why are they keeping it? If they think it's but, dead, why keep but it? But if they eat Giorgio, then they eat other oh, vanquished gotcha. enemies. So they gotcha. may as well just throw her in the freezer. Fair enough. Put her with the rest of the food. So uh, at one point, Surely, like when uh, you know uh, Tyler's stalling Saru, and then Saru realizes, "Oh, I gotta go get Burnham because Burnham's doing the thing with the thing and the stuff." And he runs over and he hoofs her. Like, yeah. Oh my god, dude! The horse kick. Yeah, man. The horse kick. Have you ever been kicked by a horse? He is. I have not, and I am glad I'm not because I'm sure I'd still be bruised, and I'm sure that Michael Burnham is still bruised at this time. Uh, I, during I season have. four of Star Trek Discovery, I'm sure she still has the bruise from Saru's hoof in her side. Yeah, I, I have been, and that's a hoof-shaped, hoof-sized bruise that's on on your body for a week. Yeah, that's been put there by a creature that can run fifty miles per hour. Well, and this is a creature that can run yeah 50 miles per hour. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> I did double check my translation. It's okay. Yeah. I thought. Don't wait for the translation. To answer the question. <laughs> I, I thought you were referring to horses for a second, but you were referring, yeah. yeah. So, um, and and you you know the 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 trope of somebody getting slapped so hard that it leaves a handprint, a hand shaped handprint. Yeah, that, humans couldn't possibly do that, but I have definitely had horse print, hoof print on my body. Yeah, that's uh, that's a big ass, that's a big ass print on your side. <laughs> She's gonna be pissed. Like she, they, I mean, he could have broken a rib. Like he yeah, really, well, like. I mean, uh, you can definitely tell she's mimicking the the sound and feeling that people make when they get the air knocked out of them. Woof, woof. <laughs> it was like the end of a 
of a yoga of a yoga exhalation. <laughs> Woof. <laughs> so uh, so here's here's the here's the crux of the episode. Here's my yeah. here's my big my big crux of the episode, and okay. that is that it is undeniably Mr. Saru's fault that the Pavo the Pavins seek both Starfleet Starfleet and the KDF. Uh, because if he had not gone rogue and violent, they would have trusted us. But because he went all rogue and violent and questioned the communicators and stuff, and they find out that he lied, yeah. he's like, oh, they're like, oh, I don't know whether to trust either one of y'all. I'm just going to reach out to everybody. <laughs> also, are his yeah. eyes blue or green? Because it seems like he keeps flipping back and forth in this episode. <laughs> it's the lighting. It must be. Plus, like he... from another, a certain point of view, maybe since maybe they accidentally did all the color replacement wrong and his oh, eyes are blue in this one. That could be. All the color replacement of the green that they turned to blue. Oops. Yeah, uh, they could have just overlooked that one. Uh, yeah. My screen is frozen on this very odd image of uh, Laurel dragging Cornwell into the what we've decided yeah. is the freezer. At the end yeah. of that hallway, there's a Bajoran orb box. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> okay. uh, we're looking around 2937. No, 2936. There's a Bajoran box at the end of the hallway. Anyway, it's not 2936 on. yet. Oh, and my computer it is. Somehow it's on. Oh, oh, the time frame. I yeah. thought you were talking about the year. Yeah, I know. That's uh... 2936. Oh, all the way back there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The green little triangle yeah, 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 yeah. thing? Yeah, you got it. Yep, yep. Yeah, it could be. I mean, <laughs> we don't know. Well, oh. Oh, no, the Kardashian. No. Yeah, there was some the... orange. There was some the Klingons have the orb of time. They do, and that's how. That's why they have the time crystals and shit. Yeah. It's. It must have been Takuma. Takuma must have had it. Takuma knew he was gonna die. Takuma's. <laughs> oh, hold on. So Takuma had the orb of time, and that's how he knew that George O was gonna say, "We come in peace." <laughs> you gotta say it like that every time. We come in peace. <laughs> uh, yeah, that could the, be the orb of time. I have a I have a visual canon issue once again oh. in this episode. Klingon fingers, oh. Klingon fingers, and Klingon fingers. Klingon fingers and Klingon teeth are all um, belied by Worf because Worf is full Klingon and has human teeth and human fingers. <laughs> he also has human ears. We rarely see them, <laughs> barely catch a glimpse of them, but he does have Klingon uh, human ears. They've never shown his mother. They have never shown his mother. That is true. They've never even named her or mentioned her. Uh, her name is Mugi. <laughs> no, that's the and Ferengi's. She's a, and she's a Ferengi. He's actually Worf, I mean, Quark's brother. <laughs> Don't they have a no wonder Quark he hates Quark. Quark so much because right? she got all his brothers. Uh huh. all his no. Oh, that would be a weird mix, wouldn't it? Could you imagine, like, for a uh, Ferengi? Oh my gosh! Let's mix. just imagine. <laughs> let's just imagine a Klingon Ferengi hi hybrid. <laughs> oh my gosh! I may have recently seen something that looks like a Cardassian human uh, hybrid. I may have recently seen one. I'm not really sure. I'll tell you when Discovery season four comes out. Uh oh. Oh, you're talking about the trailer? I am. I am. I did briefly look at it. You can't look at it, though. You know that, right? Why not? You can't watch it. Okay. I, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Spoilers. All you were just telling thing. me that I had to... No, no, no. no. 
I was mentioning it to you. No, you can't watch that trailer. You can't watch that trailer. Like you can't watch that trailer. But you said I had. You can't watch that trailer. You watch it. You can't watch it. You can't watch the trailer. We have to finish season three. First contact day. Now that we're recording this. Now that we're recording this on first contact day. <laughs> and have already seen season three of of Jesus. Okay, most of season, mess. I've seen. <sighs> I was noticing when they all are fighting around the uh, antenna, they 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 kind of look at it, look up at it as, and the only thing on screen that you can I noticed was that it start it was still pulsing, but the whole time it's pulsing. But they're looking at it as if it started to do something new and I couldn't figure out what new yeah. was going on I, I I don't know I think it may, maybe there was a sound that happened that prompted them oh, maybe to look a up sound. okay yeah uh the transporter pad is numbered and is it's it like, really yeah it's numbered I don't think I'm look at when thing. Saru the specifically the one that Saru arrives on is it's either a six or a nine and it tells you that you could assign somebody a specific get on this transporter pad because the other two are not working or you know whatever oh, wow. there's a number on the floor right next to the circle that they arrive on oh i wonder if that's on purpose or if that's a blocking mark for production you mean they forgot to remove it as a yeah like maybe they just like thought we didn't nah, notice nah, no it, it's canon now it's in the show the okay transporter pads are are, are numbered for there are <laughs> There's also purposes if needed. I'll, I'll take that as canon. Is if we can also take as canon that there are a little um, little uh, masking tape X's on the floor of the bridge of the Enterprise D. Because occasionally, just occasionally, you can see like an <laughs> X, and then somebody goes and stands on top of the X. Or some somebody's random bag that I uh, <laughs> recently saw in a comparison of the DVD and the Blu-ray of a. Did TNG you really? So Saru can totally. He's a beast. He can totally take a stun. Stunned him like twice to yeah. the chest. Yeah, pretty wild, he's right? Still I mean, he's almost still standing. He could dangerous guy. Walk it off. And this yeah. is this is pre Bahari. Let's not forget. Yeah. So like after Bahari, why do they make that word like that, Bahari? Bahari? Because they just wanted to sound alien. I don't know. It sounds alien. It's so alien. My lips can't do it. <laughs> my face I can't can make it. the sound of Bahari. You're you're. Um... You make better Klingon than I do. So. They got the Baharai and the Baul. Yeah. And so I, the other thing I noticed about this episode, maybe it's partly to do with the blue effects, but did you notice that the uh, gold and silver stripy shiny aspects to their uniforms are less gold and silver sh shiny totally, in this episode? Totally different uniforms. So they've changed them to black, I guess, because like I guess their away uniforms are a little less uh, gaudy. Flashy. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they've got the flag jacket. That's for sure, the black yeah. SWAT team jacket. But, but she's supposed to have silver on her side, and uh, Saru's supposed to have bronze on his sides. Yeah. Or no, uh, rather, she's supposed to have silver, Saru's supposed to have gold, and uh, uh, Volk is supposed to have bronze. And Bronze or copper? Uh, yeah, copper is what I mean. But instead, everybody's, everybody's junk is black. Well, or just washed out or... Which, or, you know, bodes... Yeah. Bodes well for all the rest of you when everybody else's junk is black. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I was just saying it got worn off, or you know, like. The... Yeah, no, I think it's a. I think these are away away mission uniforms. I think. Okay. I could be wrong. Oh, I've maybe wrong they are black. Years. I thought. Yeah, I think they're. I, I think they're they shiny. Just, like the gold was kind of rubbed off. I think they're shiny black. Oh. Oh, maybe so that 
you know, like when you get captured, the, it makes it harder to identify who is the commander. That, what division you are, yeah. What division you are and who, who to interrogate first and beat up and, and kill. And As much as I rail against uh, the visual canon uh, discontinuities that are in Star Trek Discovery, um, the uh, phaser is uh-huh. an amazing replication that I just, I fully believe in it. I'm here for it. And mm-hmm. it is, while it's not like futuristic anymore, mm-hmm. it's super like original series, next generation, uh, original, original, yeah. series, original series Star Trek. So here it is, right at, hold You on. won't stop taking from me. Yep. Uh, 3427. Oh, I'm spinning, I'm spinning. Whoa, I'm spinning, waiting for the thing to catch up. Oh, by the way. Well, you can watch it when, find it when you're done, too. Bingo card, Pearl Jam. Oh. <laughs> I wouldn't, I, I don't know if I've heard any Pearl Jam songs. What is wrong with you? You have to have heard some Pearl Jam songs. I know you heard Jeremy. I know you heard Alive. It is, uh. Back in, like, 91 The Wall? So. Is The Wall, is That's that Pearl Pink Jam? Floyd, homie. Oh, okay. Uh, bingo card for Pink Floyd. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're there. I might as well mention it. Okay. So that's and that's all the notes so, I have. Yeah, that's. I think that's the whole episode, man. I think that's the. More or less, they beam up and they they. Uh, oh no, the the uh, they're involved about to invite the Klingons. Yeah, there is the invitation of the Klingons. But then that's pretty much the end of the episode, and they leave it hanging there. Oh, and then they do the obligatory uh, sickbay scene where the doctor has to say, just a little bit of time. Shame on you for even wanting to talk to him. He's trying to rest. I know, right? (laughs) I know, right. (laughs) The... um... This episode, uh, you mentioned earlier, wondering whether it was filmed inside or outside. Um, Here's so eyes are green. This the the scenes on Pavo were actually filmed um, in Ontario. Oh, okay. And uh, this which Ontario? Called, it's a Quebec, uh, Milton, Ontario, Canada is actually uh, okay. where it was, and uh, it's at the Hilton Falls and the Kelso Conservation Area is where they filmed mm, these okay. things outside. They said it was. Uh, so it was really hot and really muggy and it rained a bunch and there was all kinds of standing water so they had all kinds of mosquitoes and Doug mm-hmm. Jones like wanted to like rip his <laughs> when, he, when he would like take his um, his uh, metal stuff off of his face and metal his um, latex stuff off of his latex. face he uh, it would just be like like gallons of water would pour out from between his skin <laughs> and that stuff yeah yeah and well, we'll also say that they had uh, there were there were there were three different types of uh, footwear used for Saru in this episode. There uh-huh. was a, there was a regular hoof boots, right, and the heelless boots that he usually wears like on the bridge, and then like some okay. regular boots because ain't nobody running fifty miles per hour in some fucking heels, okay? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I noticed that for whatever reason, uh, Ash Tyler has two different bottoms on his shoes when they are showing them in sickbay. I see. Why is that? I don't know. Is he wearing like two different, you know, versions of the boots that uh, one is for more actual practical outdoor use and the other one is, did he mix up his boots? No, it's (laughs) that one is for Volk and one is for Tyler. 
So he's got one defensive um, Klingon. Like, he's still got a Klingon foot. So, <laughs> so his Klingon foot, much like Dax from uh, the Undiscovered Country, his Klingon foot has a different type of boot. So, like, if he, he keeps wearing those two, two separate boots, then he'll never get blamed for, like, a fire in the galley or an assassination. That's how he keeps it straight. <laughs> okay, sure. I, I, whatever. Yeah, man. So, so check it out. So, so that was, uh, we were, we, we've just completed, uh, what, episode eight, is it, of, uh, of, of this, what is this show called? This show is called Star Trek, uh. Star Trek Discovery. Yes. And I'm really, eight. I gotta tell you, I'm really enjoying it so far. This may have been, like, one of my least favorite episodes. Um, partially well, because it's so short. Yeah. And, um, um it, I, I thought that they could have done two separate plots from this. I thought that these two plots, the A and the B story, and the minor little C story, I thought that the A and the B story could have had their own episodes. Totally. They absolutely could have. Um, although maybe they couldn't have because together they made it a very short episode. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, we are we are coming up on some greatness, um, some really muscle flexing of the production staff of Star Trek Discovery. And that starts with the next episode, which was originally released on November 12th, 2017. We call it Into the Forest I Go. Which obviously, hopefully, picks up right after uh, this episode. Yeah, man. So they left it on more or less a cliffhanger. Yeah, we got to know what the hell's going on with these, with these, uh, with this signal. Like, what's going to happen? So, yeah. Yeah. hopefully, we're going to pick up right here. Which means yeah. that they could have definitely split it up into two episodes because they have all this material to continue at least one of the stories, if not two of the mm-hmm. stories. Yeah. So we are about uh, we are about seven episodes away from the end. We are at the midpoint. We're we're past the midpoint actually. We're we're past just the, past the no yeah, we're, we're no no no. We are the midpoint because episodes so there are fifteen episodes, seven and seven is fourteen. Add one and you have fifteen. There are fifteen episodes of the season. So see this Pacum Parabellum is the midpoint of the season. It is the exact middle, yep. Yeah. So this has been fun. Uh what how about we oh, oh, before we go, how about we do the rating of the episode? What what would you rate it on a one to ten sort of scale? <sighs> You know, they're 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 still not speaking. I mean, this actually this is probably one of the first episodes that where they're actually doing proper exploring of a strange new world. I mean, they got close to speaking Star okay. Trek to me. Sure. Maybe an eight. Oh, that's okay. So I'm gonna go six. Okay. Um, there are some great things about this episode, but there are some not so great things, and those not so great things are mostly like because I'm being selfish. I would like a longer episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I like a little more story. I know that there's there's a lot of there's a, the world building that they do as a Star Trek Discovery Productions team is pretty amazing. Like every inch yeah. of the screen is filled with this is Star Trek mm-hmm. you know, notifications. Um, sure. I just I feel like there's more that they could. I feel like there's a little little bit deeper they could go. I could be wrong. Yeah. <sighs> But this is uh, we're we're coming up now on the uh, on the on what we call, what we're gonna call the the fall finale from that when the when it was first uh, when the season was first released. And oh, they the season, took the season, a break. Yeah, yeah. The season was actually released as um, <clears throat> I mean it's only like a month and a half break, but the season was released as two chapters. And right. the next episode we come to into the forest I go is part is the end of part one. Yeah. So I'm really excited about coming back here and doing this again with you. Um, next time yeah yeah 
and uh, yeah, I think that's it. I think we're I think we're there. Yeah. So, so uh, uh, are you doing closing today? Uh, you can do it. All right. So, I want everyone to take a moment to look around yourselves, look around your world, and be thankful for the things that you have in it. To be grateful for the Star Trek that you have in it. Be grateful that you're one of the people who have been part of the chosen few who are able to fully explore and enjoy this journey across the cosmos and across time with us. Um, and I and Earl would also like to reach out and thank you for being here because without you, we wouldn't be here. Without without, uh, without us, you would be there. <laughs> but <laughs> but without, without you all, we wouldn't be here. And without Star Trek, none of this would be happening. So I give thanks to Star Trek and by extension, thanks to God for making it all of us, you, me, and Earl Yes, take care. Support the continued making of this show through Patreon.com. Let's Talk About Treks is a production of Anodyne Relay supported by the Star Trek fan community of listeners like you. We review the copyrighted works of Paramount CBS's Star Trek team, of whom no copyright infringement is intended. You can reach us via email at email at letstalkabouttreks.com. You can leave us a message at area code 202-804-6312. Our producer is David Moody, and our writers, Jack and Earl, are on Twitter as at Trekstalkers, and would greatly appreciate the obligatory like and subscribe from wherever you're listening now. We record on Lenovo computers with Zoom, mix with NCH Mixpad, and master with Kakos Reaper. Our intro, outro, and interstitial musics feature samples from Awakening by Waterboy from Pixabay.